Psalm 37, verses 1 through 4. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Let's pray. Father, we do ask you to give us the desires of our heart as we seek our fulfillment in you. And we ask you, Lord, to educate us now from your word. Uh, Open our minds, open our souls, that we can drink deeply from your word and learn from your spirit. In Christ's name we pray and make this request. Amen. Uh, The word is filled with uh, commands, admonitions to us. And this psalm that is... How long here? It's 40 verses long. It starts with a command. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. And so it begins with two commands. Do not fret, or we would term it nowadays, do not be anxious, and do not envy the evildoers. And what's interesting is that not at at first you might realize this, but these two go hand in hand. And the one leads to the other. They seem so different. But if you examine your own thoughts and if you watch other people, you see how the one leads to the other. Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be anxious because of the evil you see going on. And yet the next one is do not be envious of the workers of iniquity. And so when I see somebody getting away with something, what does it make me feel? I feel angry, I feel anxious, I feel angst, I feel it rising up in me immediately when I see people getting away with doing something wrong. And yet, what too often is a temptation is it will lead me to want to do what they're doing. And let me give you an illustration. I think you'll be able to relate. Uh, When my children were younger, they were all involved in a program called TDA Dance, the Dance Authority. And every year they would have a recital. And so for the recital... They would sometimes have a facility that's really busting at the seams when they get everybody packed in there. And so they would typically open the doors 30 minutes before the show. And yet, early on, the doors open and you see everybody sitting there. Where did these people come from? They came out of the woodwork and now they're sitting in their seats already. Hey, we were all back here behind the lines. How did they get in here? Well, then you learn the secret. You learn the inside scoop on how to get in there early and get seats. And year after year, I'd see this happen, and it would really appall me that people would do this. But it would also incite me to want to do the same thing. Well, if they're going to do it, if nobody's going to stop them from doing it, if this is kind of like more a guideline than a rule, (laughs) maybe I should be doing this too. And so then the one time that I finally decide it's time for me to do this, well, I guess apparently there are a lot of people like me. I'm in the middle somewhere, in the curve. So now it's like the whole place is filled. And so then they send people in to roust us out. So I leave like a good citizen. But does everybody leave? Oh, no. Oh, no. The bad citizens stay. And so then I considered staying. I thought, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? You know, get some bouncers, throw me out? But I was so annoyed that they would have a rule that they would not enforce. And yet, 
do I want them to think of me as a rule breaker? Do I want to, them to think of me like they probably think of these other people that are in there in those seats and they're not getting out of them for anybody? I thought, no, I don't want to be like that. And so ever after that, I was fine with it. It's like, whatever, you know, people will be people. And if they're not going to rouse them out, it's not my problem. I'm not the authority here. And yet I can honor the authority here. And now this is coming for me. This is huge. I mean, this is, this is a huge step for me, as my wife can assure you. And so you can see, though, how one leads to the other. Being anxious about wickedness leads you right down the path to committing wickedness. It's just the way it works. And so David, when he wrote this psalm, he knew exactly what he was saying. So what is the reason given here in our text for obedience? Is it that obedience will make you a better person? No, it doesn't say that. Is the text trying to tell you that what you wanted really isn't all that desirable after all? No. It doesn't say that. So what does it say? What does it say? For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. That is what God will do. The people at TDA didn't. It annoyed me to no end. But they're not God. So see, God, he goes by a different standard. He gives you his word and he honors his word. And yet, it might not be soon enough for us we want to see the lightning strike come down from heaven and, and fry people. But that's not how our God works, right? We read the book of Esther and we think, why can't God always be like that? It's just, oh, you, you read that he built those gallows and then he's hung on his own gallows. I mean, it's just so ironic. It's so beautiful to see someone just immediately suffer the consequences of his own sin. But... God is patient with us. And yet, he's given us that book that many people question its veracity because it doesn't talk about God, but yet he gives us that book as his promise that that is what will happen in the end. We just need to be patient. And if there's one thing that God wants in us, it's to be patient like him. So, what are we to do? And so that's the rest of it. What are we to do? There are five things here that we're commanded to do. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. See, we're commanded to do five things. We're commanded not to do these two things, not to be anxious and not to emulate, not to want what the evil have. And yet we are told to do these five things. Let me expand on each one of these. Trust in the Lord. Trust is not passive. Trust is active, and trust is faith. And so trust is actively pursuing your faith. And so to trust in God means you're doing something. You are choosing to not do that, but this is what you are doing. You are trusting God. And people perceive that as passivity. People perceive that as nothing. But you are not doing nothing. You are trusting in God. You are patiently waiting for God. Now the next one, do good. God wants you to be a do-gooder. With the negative connotation that our society sometimes associates with do-gooders. But he doesn't care about negative connotations in our society, nor should you. He wants you to do good. 
even in the midst of things like this. And so, for instance, an illustration is when we're all standing out there waiting to get in and we know that there are people in there behind those doors that are sitting down, look around. I mean, too often I would see older grand uh, parents uh, standing in this line with us. And so I encouraged the TDA authorities, hey, you know, you really need to allow these people to go in there and sit down. You don't want them standing out here and getting in this cattle herd rush. You want them to get seats. And I don't know if they ever acted on that. I don't know that they did, but that's the right thing to do. Those should be the people that are being uh, in there sitting down while the rest of us younger people are out here waiting patiently. And so what you want to do is do the good that you see, do the good that you know, and, and it will come to you. Even as you want to see the lightning strike come down, God will prick your heart and say, yes, yes, I know that's what you want, Rod, but what can you do in the meantime that goes totally against what I will do eventually? And so that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to do good in the face of the evil that you face. Another one, dwell in the land. What does he mean by dwell in the land? I think that we long for escape. It appeals to us. We want to be different from everybody. We don't want to be stuck in this herd. I didn't want to be in the bell curve. I don't want to be in there. I want to be somewhere else. And yet God tells us, dwell in the land. Be patient, Rod. You know, don't always want to get out there and solve these things because you're not the authority in it and it's not your problem to solve. I just want you to be patient through it. So see, that's what it means to dwell in the land, to accept your creatureliness, to not long to be God, to have the power that only he can wield. Four, feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. What does that mean? Count your blessings. Feed on his faithfulness. You are in this situation. You're getting anxious. You are envious of the wicked potentially. And yet God says, hey, wait a minute. You're acting like I never bless you. Think about it. How in many ways I have blessed you. And so see, then you're counting your blessings. You're now no longer fretting. You're no longer anxious. You're giving that to God. And instead you're saying, wow, you know, God is really, really good to me. I, I might not be out here waiting to get in to watch my children dance. I might be in an accident on the highway. I might be, you know, behind me, right? <laughs> Further back in the line. And lastly, delight in the Lord. And I believe delighting in the Lord can only come as you talk to the Lord. So in other words, if you're delighting in his creation, if you're delighting in his blessings, these are good things, but you're not delighting in the Lord. To delight in the Lord, you must be talking to him. You must have an intimate relation with him. And too often, we substitute things for that. We substitute regular devotions for delighting in the Lord. A devotion isn't delighting in the Lord. A devotion is, is a habitual duty to many of us. That's not delighting in the Lord. Delighting in the Lord is more than that. Delighting in the Lord is getting into God's presence, is talking to him, is sharing your life with him, is sharing this experience with him as you're sitting there getting anxious and envying evil. If you're sitting there and you're getting anxious and envying evil, are you walking with God? Are you delighting in God? Of course not. You're entirely in your little selfish self, wanting what you want. And you're not ready to give that up just yet. Oh, I don't want to delight in God yet. I want to be bitter. 
I want to be upset about what's going on right here. I've, somebody's got to do something about this. And yet, that's often not what God wants you to do. Sometimes, yes, sometimes, but not often. Often he wants you to just be patient, to maintain your do-gooder attitude as you count your blessings and as you wait upon him patiently to do what God does. You're not God. You can't do it. Wait. Wait for him. Now, our Lord Jesus was the best example of this. Recently, I uh, read through Matthew and Mark, and what has always interested me is, well, you know, there's lots of stuff there, obviously, especially when you, when you read them in one fell swoop, and then you're seeing the contrast between all of the different miracles, all of the different stories. And yet, at the Passover meal, I love to see the interaction between him and Judas, because each gospel gives you something different about how that went down. You know that Jesus takes that bread, dips it, and hands it to Judas and says, what you do, do quickly. But see, Jesus had said, Father, you have given me those to love, and I have loved them to the end. He never discriminated against Judas, even knowing that he would betray him. You know, isn't that remarkable? If you know somebody doesn't like you, is it hard to treat that person with kindness? Is it hard to treat that person fairly in love? Yes, it's very difficult. And yet Christ could do that with Judas. I believe by example, he lived out this psalm. He delighted himself in God to do his will. And Psalm 40 verse 8, uh, this is actually in Hebrews, given reference to Christ. Uh, uh, 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. The writer of Hebrews ascribes that to Christ. So see, Jesus said of Judas, uh, of Judas, it would have been better for him to have never been born. Yet, he loved him. He himself did not take any action against Judas on this earth. He, he, he allowed him to fulfill what was written of him, you will do this. He took the bread, dipped it. Judas had already spoken to the chief priests, though. I mean, he was waiting for the opportunity. And here it was. Je Jesus is giving him the opportunity. And yet, do we? Oh, no, I don't want anybody to have any opportunity over me. Nobody. I'm, I'm, I'm the referee in my own life. And I'm going to call fouls. I'm going to assign penalties. But that's not the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to grant all of that to God. And we are not to be keeping score like that. And so Christ didn't, we mustn't. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. So as we come to the table, we long to be like Christ. Pray that we would do so. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your experiences that have shown us what it means to obey your word. Uh, Lord, you lived the Psalms. Uh, so many of them spoke of your earthly existence. And here you demonstrated to us exactly what we are to do in difficult circumstances. We are not to be anxious. Instead, Father, we are to do all of these things. We are not to be envious. We are instead to delight in you and to count our blessings. We thank you, Father, for having blessed us with life, health, all the good things, and salvation to top it all off. In Christ's name we give you thanks and all the praise. Amen.